Hello again and welcome to another episode of the Ominous Origins Podcast with me, Casey. Of course, this episode is still brought to you by the wonderful people over at MorbidlyBeautiful.com. Morbidly Beautiful is your one-stop shop for all things horror content related from interviews, reviews, top 10 lists, and of course, everything in between. We're going to take a little break from true crime this week and focus on something I've had a little bit of an interest in for basically my entire adolescent to adult life. I'm going to talk about some Greek stuff. Now, there was a point in time in my life where I knew that Greek pantheon of gods, almost like the back of my hand. This was a long time ago. I was in high school. I hated school, hated all the topics and bullshit that we had to study in school. So I went on my own little adventure and kind of memorized a lot of the Greek gods. Now, sadly, a lot of that knowledge has just gone, just disappeared from my brain hole. But we're going to look at a lesser known god, I guess you could say, today by the name of Thea. She's the Greek goddess of light, the sun, the moon, and wisdom. We're going to learn all about her and a little bit about her offspring as well. This is Thea, the Greek goddess of light, sun, the moon, and wisdom. Ominous. Ominous. It is an adjective. Sounds like someone breathing. Ominous. Before we get started, I just want to give a little bit of insight into my personal life, because who doesn't like to know about their favorite podcast host, and I'm your favorite podcast host, right? Right? Anyway, it seems like no matter when I decide to record, be it at 10 a.m., noon, 4 p.m., 3 a.m., doesn't matter what, the animals in my house always seem to go bananas. Yeah, I don't know why either. My dog is pretty chill, but the bird decides he wants to chirp. And the rabbit decides he wants to dig at every cardboard box you can possibly find, even ones I didn't know existed. So that's a little bit annoying. But I love them. They're my best friends. So I gotta keep them around, I guess. Anyway, let's talk about Thea today. She was the Olympian god known for light, sun, the moon, and wisdom. And while the Olympian gods are well known to most people in the Western world, a lesser known deity is Thea. Thea is the primordial Greek goddess of light. She was considered one of the Titans. She's also said to be the wife of Hyperion, Titan God of the Sun, and to have given birth to Helios, the primary Greek God of the Sun, Selene, the Goddess of the Moon, and Eos, Goddess of the Dawn. She is also a Goddess of Sight and Wisdom. And sadly, she has kind of faded away from the prominent deities in the Greek pantheon. However, her offspring likely influenced the development of Apollo and Artemis. Her legacy does still live on today, and that light and understanding are still coupled with the Western mind. Also, Thea is the name for the hypothetical protoplanetary body which collided with Earth to form the moon in the early history of the solar system. Understanding the role of Thea requires understanding of her mythology and her background. Like all cultures, ancient Greeks originally understood the world through myths. Myths are short stories which explain the meaning of the world when they didn't really understand the science behind it. This is what makes Greek mythology a little bit different from science. While they believed it to be true, they had no empirical evidence, but that didn't stop them from really going hard at it. Now, science deals with the descriptions of mechanisms by which the world operates. Mythology is about what the world means for human life. This is not to say that science is not also a mythology in some sense. This is also not to say that the ancients did not practice science in some sense, and there is some overlap. Nonetheless, 
The way we arrive at the scientific story of the world differs from the way the ancients arrived at the mythological stories of their world. There are multiple versions of the ancient Greek creation story, but they all have one common sequence that goes like this. First there was chaos. The world was formless, and after a while, out of chaos came Gaia, the personification of Earth, Tartarus, a personification of the underworld, Eros, the god of love which could be thought of as a personification of the energy that causes changes in the universe, and Pontus, an early god of the sea. Out of Gaia arose Uranus, the god of the sky. No pun or jokes to be made here. This is a serious podcast. We don't make jokes about anuses here. Anywho, Gaia and Uranus then mated, oh my god, which gives rise to the titans which includes Hyperion, Thea, and Kronos, among other early gods. The titans here are generally depicted as human in form. Gaia and Uranus, however, produced other offspring as well. These were the Cyclopses, one-eyed creatures of great strength and skill with metalworking. They had other offspring as well. These creatures were considered so monstrous by Uranus that he imprisoned them deep within Gaia. Gaia resented the mistreatment of her children and plotted to overthrow Uranus. This plot involved the youngest of the male titans, Kronos, who used a sickle made by Gaia to castrate Uranus, his father. Hyperion is said to have been one of the titans to restrain Uranus as Kronos did the deed. After the overthrow of Uranus, Kronos became the new ruler of the universe. It is said that in Greek mythology, Kronos presided over a time of great peace and prosperity for the world. It was probably during or after this time that Thea, the goddess of light, married Hyperion, the god of the sun, and they had their celestial children. There was but one problem, however. Kronos did not release the Cyclopses and the other children from their prisons in Tartarus. This angered Gaia. There was also a prophecy that Kronos would be overthrown by some of his children. Kronos, because he knew one of the offspring of Rhea, his wife, would overthrow him, would snatch and eat each new child which Rhea gave birth to. Gaia was intent on overthrowing Kronos, so when Zeus was born, she helped Rhea hide the newborn god in Crete. When Zeus was finally grown, he forced his father to vomit out his siblings. After this, the great battle of the gods occurred. The battle between Mount Olympus, the seat of Zeus, and the other Olympian gods, and the Mount Orthus, the mount from which the Titans ruled the universe. The Titans who warred against Zeus were all imprisoned in Tartarus. Some Titans, however, such as Oceanus and Thea, remained neutral. Because of this, it is likely that Thea escaped imprisonment. Now, there is little mention of Thea in later Greek myths. But what appears to be the case is that she was a goddess associated with light, sight, and wisdom. She was able to manipulate light and all of her offspring were in some way involved in the creation or manipulation of said light. She was also associated with the shimmering air and the bright blue upper atmosphere. Furthermore, gemstones and precious metals like gold and silver were said to have their shimmer because of her. The ancient Greeks believed that they could see beams of light protruding from their eyes because of her. This was of course before later Greek philosophers like Aristotle argued otherwise. Thus it made sense that they would have made Thea the goddess of both sight and light. She was also associated with wisdom and prophecy and had a shrine in Thessaly dedicated to her. It is possible that Thea had an associated oracle acting as her mouthpiece, not unlike the oracle of Delphi. Although she does not play a major role in later Greek myths, she does have prominent children. 
Thea, with her husband Hyperion, had three kids, Helios, Selene, and Aeos, the sun, the moon, and the dawn. Thea's offspring are all related to the phenomena involving light. The sun is the main source of light during the day, the moon at night, and the dawn when the light of the sun begins to appear on the perimeter of the world before the actual sun rises. Even Thea's husband Hyperion is an early sun god. Thea's offspring are another reason that Thea is considered the goddess of light because they could all in some way manipulate the light. Light is their common denominator. Let's look at the kids for a little bit here. First we'll start with Helios. Helios was believed by the ancient Greeks to cross the sky each day in a chariot drawn by four flying horses. It was said that when not in the sky, he resided in a palace in Oceanus, the world encircling river. Each day, he would emerge out of this palace in the east and ride across the sky to the west. Helios is implicated in several other Greek myths involving gods and humans. One of these myths is that of Prometheus, who stole the fire from the gods and gave it to humanity. According to the story, after Zeus became lord of the universe, he tasked his sons Prometheus and Epimus to create humans and animals respectively. Epimetheus lavishly spent his gifts on his creation. He also used so many gifts on animals, however, that he forgot to leave a gift for the humans. As a result, humans were deprived of physical gifts compared to the animals. Now Prometheus, the ultimate hero, had pity on his creations and decided to give them fire. Fire, however, was forbidden to humans and was reserved for the gods alone. Prometheus, being the ultimate Chad, was intent on giving humanity a gift to make up for his brother's mistake. One morning, as the sun rose into the sky, Prometheus took some fire from the chariot of Helios and gave it to humanity. In this way, Helios is implicated in the origin story of humanity in Greek mythology. What is interesting about this connection between Helios and the fire that Prometheus gave humankind to give them an advantage is the role the sun played in the rise of civilization. After the rise of agriculture, the yearly motion of the sun in the sky from solstice to solstice and equinox to equinox became very important to early farmers to ensure that they planted and harvested in time to avoid starving. Prometheus is often understood in modern times as a metaphor for human progress. It was agriculture that allowed for the rise of civilization and technology to progress. Agriculture also relies heavily on the motion of the sun throughout the year. As a result, it is fitting that the sun god plays a role in the story. It could be said that this is because of the sun that we have civilization. Later in Greek history, the role played by Helios as a god associated with the sun and with the light increasingly became taken over by the Olympian god Apollo. Apollo is the Olympian god associated with light, reason, and music, among other things. He also became connected to the sun and other things associated with Helios. So how does this all relate to Thea? Well, Helios was the offspring of Thea. As a result, it could be said that in the contributions made by Helios are in part thanks to his mother Thea, the goddess of light and wisdom. Apollo, therefore, is also by proxy connected to Thea as well. Another interesting connection to history is that the rise of agriculture also occurred because humans were able to use their understanding of the natural world to learn how to influence the growth of plants and animals. Thus, before Helios could allow for agriculture to flourish, humanity needed to receive wisdom from Thea to develop said agriculture. Now you can't have the sun without the moon. So enter Selene, the goddess of the moon, and she was also believed to ride a chariot through the sky. 
She is often depicted as a woman with a crescent moon on her head. The Romans, who had two temples to her Latin counterpart Luna, one was on the Palatine Hill and the other was on Aventine Hill in Rome. One Greek story in which Selene is prominent involves her falling in love with Edemion. Zeus cast him into eternal sleep, but she would visit him every night. She ended up giving birth to 50 daughters by him. Over time, Selene became associated and sometimes identified with Artemis, the god of the hunt, childbirth, and chastity. The association between the moon and women in many mythologies, not just Greek, may be related to the fact that the moon has a monthly phase cycle which echoes the monthly rhythm of a woman's menstrual cycle. So there's a pretty picture for you. Now lastly, we have Eos, the god of dawn, and she was responsible for opening the gates of dawn to make way for Helios as he rode into the sky on his chariot. She is given the epithet rosy-fingered. She was also responsible for dissipating the night to make way for morning. Eos is featured prominently in two stories. In one, she falls in love with a mortal named Tithonus. She asks Zeus to grant him eternal life but forgets to also ask for eternal youth. As a result, Tithonus grows older and older and weaker and weaker but is unable to die, which is a terrible torture. In another story, Eos has an affair with the ward god Ares. But after this affair, Aphrodite, Ares' lover and goddess of love, curses Eos so that she will always be in love, but never find true love, another torturous curse. One of the results of this endless search for love was apparently Memnon, a legendary king of Ethiopia who fought Achilles in the Trojan War and was also the son of Eos. Although these children are of Thea and not Thea herself, it could be said that these themes all relate to Thea. Eos would prepare by the way of Helios to bring sunlight, Selene would bring the moonlight. The common theme is light, which the original Greek myth came from, Thea. Now, in modern times, Thea is no longer worshipped, but the things which she represented, like sight, love, and wisdom, are still intertwined in Western culture. We simply literally cannot get away from light, sight, or wisdom. Well, some people can get away from wisdom. And unfortunately, some people are born without sight or lose sight throughout their life. But light is everywhere. We all know that. Since the scientific revolution, Western culture has focused on sight as the primary sense. It is also a metaphor for perception. One other way in which Thea is referenced in modern culture involves attempts to explain the formation of the moon. Currently, the most popular hypothesis regarding the origin of the moon is that Proto-Earth was impacted by a Mars-sized protoplanet about 4.5 billion years ago. This collision caused both bodies to mostly melt and re-accrete into Earth and Moon systems. Most of the protoplanet merged with Proto-Earth, but some of the debris coalesced in the Earth's orbit to eventually become the Moon. Appropriately enough, the name given to this hypothetical protoplanet in which the Earth was called is Thea. The moon has played an important role in shaping Earth's surface environment. For example, the gravity of the moon is the main cause of the ocean tides. Furthermore, the gravity of the moon has helped stabilize Earth's axis tilt over time. This stabilizing effect causes Earth's axle to tilt to not vary so much over time, like say with Mars. This creates relative stable climates 
and conditions on Earth which would make life possible. And without our large moon, it simply wouldn't be. We have this large moon all in thanks to Theia, which much like the Greek god Theia, seems to have vanished from the scene but continues to influence the planet through her offspring. Ah, uh, isn't it nice not going through a depressive true crime thing where people are getting butchered and murdered and people are getting away with murder? Oh god, isn't it so good to just sometimes relax and look at our ancient history? I love the Greek mythology so much. It's fucking crazy how much I love this stuff. It is bananas. I have run out of adjectives. That's not very impressive of me. I said like two. Regardless, I really hope you like this little break from the dreary and misery of true crime and murder and all that. If you did like what you heard, please feel free to leave that five-star rating on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Any five-star ratings will be read out on the show or giving you a shout-out if it's on Spotify. Just let me know that you did it and Bob's your uncle. There you go. You get a shout-out. At the start of the episode, too, not at the end. Hmm, yeah, that should, that should sweeten the pot. Regardless, my name is Casey. And I hope you did like what you heard today. Please feel free to follow along on social medias, even though I'm not super active. We're on Instagram at Ominous Origins Pod and on Facebook at Horror Shots. You can also follow along on my Patreon for the updated History of Demons, which I do every once in a while on there as well. So, until next time. <laughs>